Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with my cousins Derek and Tyler. We have a special guest a little bit later to talk some Nebraska ball. But first, here we are again, same song and dance. Nebraska comes up short yet again. This time, the Huskers fall to Northwestern 31-24 in overtime. There's no reasonable reason this should have happened, right? Derek, what did you think of the game? It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I, I know, Justin, I don't know, we kind of had a conversation. You thought, was well, this may have been one of our better games at points of the game, at least. But Mr. Tanner INT Lee showed his head again. <laughs> Three interceptions killed us. Uh, you know, stats-wise, and I, I understand their stats isn't everything, but, man, they, they, out, they outran us, they outpassed us, they did better in penalties. The only thing we really beat them in was time of possession. And usually that's a good thing, but it doesn't really mean anything if you can't score. And our, yeah. red, zone, our red zone offense continues to plague us. An interception on the 19-yard line, you're inside the red zone again, we throw another interception, it just... It's getting agonizing at this point to the point to where yep. it's getting even it's getting tough to even hardly watch some ball some of this, some of these games anymore. Yeah, it's, it's almost time to just pull the plug on the whole thing. Tyler, what did you think? You know, this was about the game that I expected. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be a close game that I thought ultimately we were going to come out on top on. But watching that game live, you just sit there and you say. God, we had so many opportunities to win this game. Even though I was prepared for this game, it it stung. I mean, Derek, you mentioned Tanner Lee. We saw the good month of October of Tanner Lee football, and that was gone. You know, even from the beginning, that first series we had on offense, it it wasn't even throwing interception. He just didn't look sharp to start off the game. You you know, the running game was really not there. You take away the J.D. Spielman 40-yard run, we averaged 2.4 yards a carry besides that. Um, the offensive line wasn't great uh, across the board. Connor Ketter still can't pass block to save his life. I don't know why he's in. I hate that two tight end set. And defensively, it was embarrassing. But the worst part of that game to me was when we got to overtime. Northwestern got the ball in overtime, and they went and they ran the ball, ran the ball, and scored. They put it right down our, ball, our throats. We get the ball, get stuffed on first down run a screen pass, which is arguably one of the worst play calls I've seen, and then we put ourselves in a situation where we almost can't win. Uh, I, I, I think there's questionable coaching decisions, but at the end of the day, even though I expected a loss, even though I think Northwestern's a pretty good team and it's not an embarrassing loss to lose to them, you, you got eventually we have to win these games, and we're just not. How ballsy was it for uh, Pat Fitzgerald to go for a fourth and one? Oh, that was ballsy, I thought. That was, that was an awesome move by him. I mean, it was it, it was, was it was an intelligent move. And, I was like, and, do and not turn, go for it. Turn, do not turn, go for it. Turns out, <laughs> turns out, if he didn't make it, it wouldn't have mattered because we just would have went into double overtime anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I, I just kind of thought headed into that game after you know in in regulation when we throw the interception to you know to not go up by two scores once they t- once Northwestern tied it up. I just did not – it was like all the air just deflated. It was like – because I just knew that we weren't going to win in uh, in overtime. I just didn't like our chances. And, you know, when we went down there – and you're right, Tyler. You know, 
after the sack and oh it was just terrible go ahead tyler so so the question i have for you guys is you know we had that last drive of regulation when we got to fourth and i, I don't remember the yardage off the top of my head and we were a, a, a past the 50 yard line do you think riley and the coaches made the right decision to punt in that time or do you think they should have played for the win there uh, that's tough i don't i don't know I mean, I think that's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, because, I mean, you, you look at the way the game played out. I mean, Northwestern, Derek, your point is right. They outplayed us the whole game. And maybe we should have been the aggressor there to say, hey, if we're going to win this game, we need to win in regulation because we're not going to beat them in overtime. But I, I and you, you give up that field position. They'd have had an easy chance for a field goal if you don't get it. I just, yeah. I, I, you know, it just, it, it's sad on a home field against Northwestern that you sit there saying, Man, if this game goes into overtime, we're probably not going to win. Well, I mean, the writing was on the wall. I mean, we, you know, like I said, I'd said to Derek, you know, there were at times that we played some pretty good football overall. I mean, we we looked like a good team, and this is probably one of the better games that we've played, you know, in the last month, six weeks. I mean, this, but overall, it's just like at, at the end of the day, just losing like that. This game hurt worse than losing to Ohio State to me. Just because we had an opportunity to win. We had a chance to seal the deal and just, you know, walk away with a win. And yet again, just like in 2015, we found a way to choke it away and lose. I mean, that's the part that hurt the worst. I can I can deal with an ass whooping. But just, Derek, go ahead. Well, yeah, I, I think you kind of mentioned it there, but that's the biggest kick in the balls to me is it feels exactly like 2015 again. We don't know how to close a game out. Yeah. How have we not figured this out in three years? I mean, you're throwing the ball all the time. I mean, all you had to do was run the ball, and if you don't get a first down, kick a field goal, and you're up 10 points with four minutes left in the game. And probably less than four minutes because you probably ran some clock off by running the ball. Yeah. And yet we continue to throw the ball in a game that you know Tanner Lee is struggling in. He's already thrown two interceptions. So why are we still throwing the ball like that? It makes no sense to me. Then you get to overtime and do the same thing. You just throw the ball four times. Like, oh, we're behind seven points. We better throw the ball. I, the, the, coaching on, so, the, the, the coaching on that was just absolutely terrible. The, the play call, that may have been one of the worst play calling games I've seen all year at the end of the game. So you probably touched on this just a little bit. If I was asked the question, you know, who would you place blame? If there's one person to place blame on why we lost that game, who would you give that nod to? I would, ha- I would have to go with Danny Langsdorf because the play calling at the end of that game was terrible. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of blame that can go around. I could start pointing fingers probably in every single direction. But at the end of the day, I think you have to look at the play calling at the end of the game, especially the overtime. Tyler mentioned it earlier about the screen pass and we get sacked for like minus, what was it, eight or ten yards. and yeah. we, we ended up on that drive minus two yards in overtime. I mean, <laughs> and you threw the ball four times. I, I, I don't know how to justify that. Yeah. Tyler, what, what do you think? I, if I had to put a name, I'd put Tanner Lee. And really? I, 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 I just, you know, I, I, I agree with the play calling. I think that was a very some suspect play calling, but you know, Derek, you talked about that on the 18-yard line. I, I believe this was the 18-yard line when we threw the interception. I don't even really hate throwing there. 
you, you, you throw and you try it for the touchdown. I, probably not the call I would have made, but Tanner Lee, dude, the guy's got to learn to take a sack or throw the ball away. And, and you know, we've joked on this on the podcast before about, you know, how big a skill set is it just to throw the ball away? But, or, but <laughs> dude, like, he, he, on that third interception, I get that you don't completely blame him on that, the, on the throw. He got hit as he was throwing. But you've got to hold the ball there, and and you you can't throw the ball when you see the rush coming in like that. It wasn't a blind sack. Tanner Lee should have had the vision to know it was coming. Uh, the two interceptions earlier in the game were both terrible picks. He wasn't efficient even besides that. And this is one of the few games that I don't think, with the exception of Pierce and L having the drop, I think the drops were pretty much in line. Tanner Lee just wasn't sharp to this game. Uh, Play calling aside, you've got to make better plays with the ball. Yeah. It's tough. You know, this nightmare will end. We've got uh, three games left, and then uh, we'll see what happens in the offseason. But until then, at least we can talk about some Nebraska ball, right? Let's move on to Nebraska ball. And covering basketball for HuskerHype.com, this is Carter Donahue. Welcome, Carter. Thanks for having me. All right, so Nebraska, they had their third exhibition game tonight against Northwood. Tell us about that game. Well, they started off pretty well, getting out to a 10-2 start. Um, Glenn Watson didn't play like many thought. He was kind of a late scratch from uh, the lineups. And what Miles talked about yesterday in his press conference, uh, again, mentioning that Isaiah Roby and Anton Gill would be out due to injury. All three players who missed tonight uh, should be good to go by uh, Saturday. Yeah, and... Miles just talked about how uh, the last few days they've been going really hard trying to push the pace in practice so they're ready for some of that transition offensive stuff uh, come their first game. And they saw a lot of it tonight. Uh, but regardless, some of those guys who had some nagging injuries didn't play. Uh, they looked good from the start. Thomas Allen, of course, replacing Glenn Watson was fantastic early on. Hit two three-pointers in the opening minutes. Moved the basketball well. Pushed the basketball well. Um and then from there, it just kind of looked to me that Nebraska felt like they could get whatever they wanted on the offensive end. They didn't really think that Northwood, uh, what it seemed to me anyway, uh, could keep up with them. And then you kind of uh, started to see Nebraska let off the gas a little bit. Northwood got back into it. Uh, they out-hustled Nebraska in the first half. Uh, and then Nebraska kind of came back a little bit at the end of the first half and then really blew things out in the second half. Well, Cool. Well, let's talk about season expectations. Uh, we haven't fared very well for the last three years, losing records in all three year, last three years. So should Nebraska fans expect a better team this year? I think they should. I think uh, I was talking to some of the media members last Thursday for their open practice and kind of that uh, over-under mark of 15 wins. I think they should get the over there. I think there would be more around 16, 17, maybe even 18 wins. Um, I think certainly it's a better team coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena this year. Um, I think a problem with Nebraska has always kind of been that schedule, specifically that early December slate is going to be really tough for them. Playing a lot of those tough games might skew their record a little bit, but I think certainly it's going to be a more talented roster. Uh, You look at some of those guys that are missing from last year's team like Morrow, uh, Jacobson, Horn, and even Fuller. I think Nebraska upgraded at those positions at each one of those positions, Copeland replacing Morrow uh, can do a lot of different things that Morrow couldn't. More athletic, more versatile, uh, is better for Nebraska in the transition offense and playing quicker. 
Shimanga is a stronger, uh, more skilled big guy down there. Played really well protecting the paint tonight. Had some block shots, rebounded the ball pretty well. Um, and just um, even off the bench, you know, guys are going to step up. Uh, in, excuse me, in exhibition games, they've uh, played 11 or so guys, and a lot of those different guys have stepped up. So I think at almost every one of those positions that where they lost guys, even Ty Webster, the leading uh, scorer for Nebraska, you got a guy like Palmer coming in who scores the ball probably even better than Webster at a more efficient rate. So I think they even upgraded at their biggest loss last year. So I think just across the board, it's going to be a more talented team for Nebraska this season. So you're talking about Palmer replacing Webster. Who are the standout players that we should be really keeping an eye on this year? Yeah, I think the headliner is certainly Palmer. He's been fantastic in the three uh, exhibition games so far, scored in uh, 17-plus and 20 in the other two. Uh, really efficient, scoring the ball really well. He's very good at getting to the rim, something that Webster did a year ago. Um, Palmer's getting to the free throw line, which sets up his jump shot. He's just been overall really good. Um Copeland, the Georgetown transfer, the five-star recruit out of high school, obviously really talented. Uh, still looks like he's uh, been bugged a little bit by some nagging injuries back from February. He had surgery. Um, still looking to get his shot down. Got good looks tonight. Still missed some of them that he's probably going to make during the season. But he's going to be a big factor for Nebraska. And then just a lot of those uh, new guys stepping up. Thomas Allen, the freshman, was fantastic tonight. He's been fantastic uh, ever uh, since the season started, really. Um, the other two freshmen probably won't play as much. Those are the two, uh, Thor, Ear, Tharb, Narsen, or however you pronounce yeah. the last name, <laughs> him and Nana Akinton, uh, good players, but are probably more in that red shirt conversation that Miles has talked about. Um, but I think Allen is going to be a, a good player off the bench as a backup point guard role. Uh, Palmer, obviously Dubio KK was pretty good tonight. He'll see the floor. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of newcomers that are going to step up this year. So we have Eastern Illinois on Saturday. This should be a fun game. Do you see? Do you see us uh, winning this one? I know uh, Eastern Illinois. They had uh, their little upset of uh, uh, help me out here, Illinois in the uh, exhibition, right? So, yep. how are we going to fare this Saturday? Um, yeah, you talked about how they uh, upset Illinois at Illinois earlier this week, but they also fell. Uh, I think the Southern Indiana a couple night or last <laughs> night, a couple yeah. nights ago, sometime there. So that kind of evened them out. Um, obviously, if you can beat Illinois, you're a team that uh, has a chance to contend with Nebraska. Uh, Illinois is going to be a rebuilding team this year. It's not going to fare uh, quite high up in the Big Ten, maybe. Um, but I think they'll give them a test. I think uh, Tim Miles talked about them a little a little bit yesterday. They're a well coached team. They're disciplined. They can do a lot of things well, but I think at the end of the day, Nebraska is going to be fine. Uh, they have a lot of talent. Uh, even when they struggled today, it seemed like they were able to respond pretty well and ultimately win. I think they won by 20, 15 to 20 or so. Nice. I think Nebraska fans, will they'll be looking forward to uh, seeing a Nebraska team win. So yeah. here we get, we got a new athletic director in town, you know, and we kind of know the story with uh, Mike Riley and all the question marks there. Tim Miles, that's another guy who uh, it was kind of weird last year when I, of course, extended his contract for another year. Uh, I, I got to ask you there, Carter, uh, is Tim Miles going to be the coach at Nebraska next year? Honestly, last 
uh, last spring, I was kind of leaning more toward Tim Miles being fired, and that was just my opinion. Um, but now at the fall, just you know, kind of the new vibe here in Lincoln for Nebraska basketball, I think he's going to stay. That's my gut feeling. Obviously, the record's going to have a huge impact on that. Um, I think, you know, at the end at the end of the year, I think they're like I said earlier, they're going to be between 16 and 18 wins. I think they're going to be between that NIT level and maybe the last four out come March, kind of that pool of teams right there. Um, but I think, I don't know. I guess whether he should be back and whether he will be back are different questions to me. I think I would lean toward he should be uh, just right now, but uh, it's early. Um, if he doesn't w- uh, make that win count that Husker fans and, uh, you know, Bill Moose is looking for, then obviously he's not going to make it. Um, but I think they're going to improve this year. I think there's a lot of other circumstances and variables that can affect it, uh, like recruiting. And if they get some more uh, good pieces for coming up next year. But I think at the end of the day, uh, the better Nebraska team isn't going to be this season, but it's going to be next season when guys like Watson, Copeland, and Palmer are all coming back for their senior year. Some of those younger guys get older, and I think Moose is going to look at that when extending his contract or not or, or looking to go in a different way, and I think they're going to give him that extra year to see what they can do with Watson, Copeland, uh, and Palmer in that senior role and some of those younger guys getting up. So I think he makes it past this year too, uh, but of course if he doesn't win – enough games if he doesn't make that uh if he doesn't get a good enough record of course uh he's gonna he's gonna be fired and moose is gonna look for a look in a different direction well one good thing about tim miles this year in the offseason he didn't have to worry about replacing an assistant coach so he's got his staff intact as last year so hopefully that pushes him over you know over that little hill but it just seems with tim miles we just keep digressing year in year out so yeah. I'm hoping he gets over the hump. Me, personally, I've never had faith in Tim Miles. I've been pretty outspoken <laughs> about it. But uh, but I am excited to see Nebraska play basketball. Something to take the edge off of football. So Yeah, that's a first. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> that's the truth. We, we still got right, volleyball. Carter, all right, Carter, we're going to get you out of here, and we're going to have you back for uh, uh, when basketball starts. So uh, welcome to the Husker Hype family. It's been fun. So uh, uh, we'll see you around. And, hey, uh, listeners, check out all of uh, Carter's stuff on HuskerHype.com. And, uh, Carter, go ahead and throw out your Twitter handle. Uh, Carter Donahue underscore. All right. Cool. Make sure you follow him. All right. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, guys. Bringing it back to football. There's a chance that there's going to be a lot of coaching vacancies after the year is over. And some of the more high-profile jobs on the line are Jim McElwain at Florida. Well, he's already gone. But we got Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, Butch Jones at Tennessee, Mike Riley at Nebraska, obviously, Brett Bielema at Arkansas, Jim Moore at UCLA. So there's six jobs right there. I want to ask you guys this. Out of those six jobs, what would your top three best coaching jobs be? Derek. Number one. Actually, I'll start with number three. I'll go number three, Tennessee. Tennessee is still a fairly good job, I think. They, I mean, I think it's better than a lot of uh, better than a lot of them out there. Number two, Florida. I think they have uh, the, probably the most recent success makes them probably still a pretty good job. 
And to me, Nebraska is still a number one job out there, out of these six schools at least, just tradition alone. I mean, five national championships, 46 conference titles. I, I, I get that those are old times, but you, you have to think that a coach would want to come in here and bring that back because it would make him godlike in Nebraska. I get it, but uh, well, before we debate this here, Tyler, let's uh, let's hear your top three. My number one job, I'll start at the opposite of Derek, is uh, Florida. You know, I think you look at the recruiting grounds in the state of Florida. That's a great spot. Um, current coach in salary at Florida is four point four million dollars. Um, they pay their assistants well. You know, you're going to be able to keep it. They're six in the country in actual money made. So they have one of the six the six highest athletic budget across the country. Um, Derek, you brought up their recent success. I think that that alone puts them in a position that's number one. That in the last ten years they've won a national title. Um, two and three, I went back and forth on. Uh, my ultimate number two was Tennessee. Uh, you know, over the last three years, Tennessee has averaged the number eighth recruiting class. So you're already playing with a pretty good set of talent in Tennessee. Um, they have good recruiting. Their tradition's not bad. They have good facilities, good recruiting grounds. But, you know, you look at what you're going to be playing ball with right off the bat in Tennessee, you're going to have some good talent if you take over that coaching job. And my number three uh, is A&M. You know, A&M has the number one athletic revenue job in the country. They are one of the top donations colleges. They pay their current head coach $5 million. They have one of the highest paid assistant salary. So you're going to be able to hire whatever assistance you want. Um, the, the thing that Texas A&M is lacking, they just don't really have a good tradition. They, they may have all the resources in the world. They're not really great in the aspect of what they have done uh, on the field in their history. Um, you have to go back a long ways to find a national championship from them. Uh, but you, they have the resources they've invested in their program. There's a lot of reasons to believe they could win pretty early, and they've averaged the 11th-ranked recruiting class over the last three seasons. So good talent there, too. All right. Well, I struggled with this one. This, this was tough. Uh, my top three, I had Florida, just like you, Tyler. I think Florida, that's, got, that's hands down to me the best job out there. You're in a uh, very fertile recruiting ground there, you know, winning tradition. I mean, you're in the uh, SEC East, so making the title game year in, year out is pretty doable. Uh, my number two, I got UCLA. For the same reasons as Florida, I guess, basically. Playing in the Pac-10 in a weak division. Uh, lots of talent there in the L.A. You are competing with USC, but, you know, there's a lot of kids out there. You can't sign them all, so UCLA has access to those guys. Uh, tradition, you know, it's the Rose Bowl. My number three, I got A&M, too. And uh, they're in Texas. Great recruiting, great facilities, great fan base. Their fan base is top-notch. You know, Nebraska is a great fan base, but uh, I've been to games in College Station, a student section, all the cadets. I mean, the, the swing that goes on in the stadium, all their tradition that they have with the 12th man, it, it's, it's an awesome atmosphere. I mean, just, just for the game day experience. Uh, and, but... What I've noticed, Derek, you got Nebraska here in number one. Tyler, you didn't have Nebraska in the top three. I didn't have Nebraska in the top three. 
So I guess the big question is here, uh, what kind of job, well, what kind of job is it for Nebraska? I mean, if we don't get like Scott Frost, what does that say about Nebraska? I mean, there's a lot of good jobs out there. And, and again, you know, coaches will go to different teams based off their personal preferences. What may appeal to Derek, you know, as being Nebraska number one may not appeal obvious to me there as a great job, but it's interesting. Uh, shit, Derek, take this away. Well, first off, you bring up Florida as your number one. Here's the problem with Florida. Their only success has come under two coaches. And you realize that Florida's never had an undefeated season. They got three national championships, one under uh, Spurrier and two under Meyer. Other than that, look, <laughs> they just fired a guy two and a half years into his season. So, I mean, wh- what makes you want to take that job? The only success and, we've had are under two coaches, too. So, I mean, <laughs> well, true. <laughs> and, and, and we are very close to – and we – if. If the fans had it their way, we would have fired our coach after two and a half seasons. True. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you guys don't blame Florida for that. You guys think Nebraska's such a crappy job for that. And, and you know what? And as far as recruiting goes, Mike Riley's shown you can get recruits in here, right? You guys have <laughs> preached that to me for the last three years. And Florida, yeah, they have good recruiting grounds there, but they're fighting with Florida State, Florida, maybe even Central Florida and Florida Atlantic right now. I mean, plus, not only that, but they got everybody in the country going down to Florida trying to pick up these recruits. Same with UCLA. Everybody, Everybody's going to uh, – those are the three biggest states. You got Florida, Texas, and California. Everybody in the country is going to all three of those states. If you can start succeeding and winning some games in Nebraska and keep that – get that Missouri level and get those St. Louis guys, those Kansas City guys, pull a few from the Minnesota State in that 500-mile radius, there's enough talent there that you can stay good. And you're in possibly the weakest division in, in, in Power 5 football right now because only, your only competition is Wisconsin. And, then you, and you Northwestern, apparently. Well, <laughs> no, but, but it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. And so, I mean, you pull a few recruits out of California, Texas, and Florida, and you stay on the side of that 500-mile race, get the best recruits out of there. There's no reason Nebraska shouldn't still be up here. Yeah. All, all, all you got to do is start winning some games. Well, Tyler. so so my, my thing on Nebraska, I, th- I think the thing about this year that is really intriguing is that I think, you know, five of these jobs, I think actually all six of these jobs are top 30 jobs in the country. I think that they are all good jobs. I think Nebraska is still a good job. Um, but but one of the things is I think we're probably closer to 25th in the country. If you, if you were to rank all the jobs, I think, I think we're about, and that's, if you look at the power five, that's about average. You know, I, I ranked this when I was looking at this at four key categories, means of a university, uh, recruiting, current talent and tradition. Um, if you look at the, these jobs, Nebraska has arguably the worst talent. If you look at the recruiting rankings over the last three years, we have the hardest recruiting ground. Derek, I'm not saying you can't get recruits at Nebraska, but it's not as easy. Uh, I think we win tradition. I think we easily have the best tradition of these schools, but we lack in means. And everyone keeps telling me Nebraska has all this money, but Business Insider released the top 25 universities uh, last year. As far as that, we were 24th. We are 41st in the country right now in what we pay a head coach. 
our assistant salary of all these five of uh, the we were six among these schools in what we pay our assistants. We don't we have not shown them the the dedication to invest in the coaching. We don't have the funds to make us believe that we're magically going to start having that. We have a tough recruiting ground. Great tradition. I think you can get kids to come here. I think you can have success here. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad job, but I just I think when you look at these jobs, I think that there is definitely a disadvantage there. Tyler, I saw that article, but they weighed a lot of it like on the the five year revenue and three year revenue that scale. And you got to remember, Nebraska they were not receiving a hundred percent of the money from the Big Ten over that five year span. So it was it was knocking that down, that average down. Now that we're a hundred percent on board, that's going to go up. Go ahead. You're you're right. It will, but we weren't in the top twenty in donations. So you talk about Big, Big Ten revenue splits. If you just look at actually donations uh, to, to the university, we were about $16 million. That was less than UCLA. That was le- way less than AM, which had like double what we had. We Our donors do not donate what these other schools are donating. So, yes, I agree that that will probably be higher than 24th um, if they change the way of how much we actually bring in. But we're not touching Florida. We're not touching AM. We're not touching Tennessee with that revenue split. Well, well, and we, and even more important for a coaching job is we haven't paid a coach and maybe we will, maybe this is the year that somehow we come up with the money to pay that $4 million a year salary. But Mike Riley makes $2.9 million. Jim Moore makes 3.5. The other three head coaches made over $4 million and someone makes over five. Like we're not even, we're making, he's making half of what Kevin Sumlin is making down at A&M. Um, it's not even the same ballpark what we're doing. Hey, same amount of wins at least. So we got him for a bargain, right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is a fun topic, but we got to move on, guys. All right. Hey, we had a poll question this week. This was a lot of fun also. After losses by Ohio State and Penn State this week, does the Big Ten get left out of the college football playoff, yes or no? Uh, Derek, you know, it was a great game. Great weekend of football. Uh, what'd you think of these two games? Oh, I'll tell you what. We got to say thanks to our big brother Iowa for knocking the hell out of Ohio State. I guess Tyler they will could... never agree with that. <laughs> I, I just I don't threw, know. I that just was, threw uh, up in my mouth. That that, that was <laughs> nasty of them, boys. They sure they sure did a hell of a lot better than we did. I mean they they looked pretty good doing it. Uh, I wish State. I would have been able to see that game to, just to see Urban Meyer's face on the sideline. I just I wish I would have been able to see that. But then you uh, have Michigan State upset in Penn State. It's, it makes it exciting. Does does the Big Ten get left out? Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. If Wisconsin stays undefeated and wins the uh, conference title, I think they're a shoe in. Even with the, even with their strength of schedule, winning a Big Ten title is probably a shoe in. An undefeated. Big Ten title probably probably is a shoe in for the playoff. A one a one loss Wisconsin team, no chance in hell. Hey, I, I get it. I get it. If an undefeated Power Five team will be in the playoff, but but what the question is, do you think that the the uh, Big Ten is going to be without a representative? No, because I think playoff. Wisconsin will be in there. You do. You do. You think they'll run the table and okay. They they have no one left on their regular schedule really to 
scare them too much unless Iowa can have two two good weeks in a row, and they don't ever do that. So, All right, Tyler. I think the Big Ten does get left out. Um, you know, Derek, I'm with you. I think Wisconsin does run the regular season table, but I think that Ohio State is still going to come out of the East, and I think Ohio State is still a slightly better ball club than Wisconsin. I know they just got their asses whooped, um, but I think when you look at the talent on the field at Ohio State, I, I you know I had them in my national championship to begin this season. You know I, I've been on that bandwagon, still saying they're going to make the playoffs. I think the talent on the field, I'm not ready to jump off them. I think in a Big Ten championship, that's a very competitive game with Wisconsin. Um, you know, I just don't see it getting done, and I do not see a two-loss Ohio State team getting in to the playoffs when you look at what some of these other conferences and and even Notre Dame have a chance to do. Yeah, I agree. I I don't see – well, I, I do agree with you, Derek, that I think Wisconsin runs the, uh, runs the table to regular season. I just don't see them getting past Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So I, I voted for yes. Big Ten – they're going to be left out. Uh, in our poll, 75% said yes. Big Ten gets left out. 25% said no. So 25% Wisconsin fans. Uh, How <laughs> many votes did we have? 166, I think. So it was fairly, fairly good, fairly good uh, poll then. It was, yeah, it was okay. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to the Minnesota preview. Minnesota, you know, uh, they're two and a half point favorites over Nebraska yet again. I, w- I was completely wrong. I thought uh, maybe Nebraska would be favorites sometime down the road from when we did our last poll question. It's not looking good for us, guys, and it keeps getting worse each week. So uh, Minnesota, lowly Minnesota, two and a half point favorites. Tyler, tell us about uh, Minnesota. Well, they're not a good ball club. Uh, uh, bottom line is they're, they're not very good. Uh, they've got one win in conference and that was a touchdown victory against Illinois. Um, you know, you, you look at these last two games for Minnesota, they have struggled offensively to really get anything going. Um, you know, PJ Fleck has come in there. He's been a lot of bark, but very little bite. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think Minnesota is right there with the worst teams in the conference. The question is with the Husker fans is how much do we have left with mm-hmm. all the scrutiny that's gone on this season with all the struggles and the ability of this team we've seen on the field, put that to the side. I believe we are a better team than Minnesota. I think we have more talent. We have played better football, but I think this has been a much more emotionally draining season for the Huskers. Um, I, I just, I think the question for the Huskers this weekend is how much do we have left? Derek, Minnesota is not as bad as they're getting credit for. I'll tell you right now, they're not winning games, and it's, a lot of it has to do with your right tire. They don't have a good offense. Their offense is terrible. But their defense is pretty good. They have the 10th-ranked def- pass defense in the country, only giving up 169.8 yards per game. They're the least penalized team in the nation, in the nation, not in the Big Ten, in the nation, only giving up, uh, th- only getting 3.6 uh, penalties per game. They're third in the nation in penalty yards, only giving up 31 yards, uh, getting 31 yards in the game. They're plus four in turnover margin. Nebraska's minus five. Uh, 
They're 16th in the nation in third down defense. We can't seem to get a third down first conversion to save our life. Don't, don't, don't think this is a gimme for Nebraska by any stretch of imagination. Yeah, I, I don't expect any game anymore as gimmies. I mean, last year, like I said, last week just, it drained me. I don't think there are any more gimmies. What I am concerned about the, the focus. Uh, you got to think that the coaches know that the writing's on the wall. You got to think the players know that the coaches, the, the writing's on the wall. That uh, they're the Walking Dead, right? They got to think that, Tyler. I think you're right, and you, you know tonight, Bob Diaco in the press conference, he really, really threw some shade about where this team was, and, and you know he talked about Mark Banker and what he, tackling it was, and they really threw some shade there. But what I heard was a bunch of excuses why this team isn't where they are, and and I'm not saying they're not invalid excuses. But they were excuses. You know, you, you hear this. Our, our friend Brian Wilson sent out a tweet talking about those comments. And one of the things that he mentioned is Bob Diaco is trying to wipe his hands of this team. So his coaching resume isn't destroyed. And, you know, he has mentioned to us that, you know, when the end of his tenure, there was coaches that were looking for ways out. And uh, I, I think that th- there could be real focus issues. Just I think you're 100 percent right. I, I don't take this team for granted, but Derek, their offense isn't just bad. They're 119th in the country in offense. I mean, they, they may have the worst offensive unit. So, yes, their defensive pass defense may not be that bad, but no team's had to throw on them because they've been up on them. I mean, they've won one conference game against Illinois. Um, they lost at home against Maryland, who can't beat anyone anymore. Um, they're beat down. I mean, there's just... This team is just not a good team we're playing against. It's just, does Nebraska have a heartbeat left in it? Do you think that there's a toxic environment amongst the coaches at Nebraska, amongst the staff? Do you think there's, you know, with Diaco's comments and everything that he said, well, with what you mentioned today, and then even kind of like his comments after the game on Saturday where, it almost sounded like he was throwing Langsdorf under the bus. I mean, do you think there's toxicity there? Derek? Well, I don't know how you read anything to what he said after the game, because I don't understand <laughs> what he said. I strained my and, eyes. And really, even today's comments, outside of tackling, I'm not really sure what the hell he was talk- trying to say. But, you know... Back to your point, Tyler, about Minnesota is which which Tanner Lee shows up? Is it Tanner INT Lee or is it October Lee? Yeah. Maybe you're throwing interceptions. I don't I don't see how I don't see how we win this game if he keeps throwing interceptions three interceptions in a game. Well, you don't win most of those. But, no, but Justin, to to your question about the dissension in the coaching you, you know the, the thing about this season is and I'm not going to blame this on the media I'm not going to blame this on the fans but there's an aspect of this that we have created a very toxic environment for this team um, and and and, you, and there is some definite shade being needed after this season at this point but we turned on this team as a fan base um, after week three our friends at the uh, Go Big Red Cobcast. Uh, they had a poll question. Uh, did I butcher the, which who it was, Derek? 
dude. Yeah, you but then, you combine two of them. You, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. You combine Go two big red cast. I, I, I apologize to them. It was the big red cop cast that had the, the poll. Oh, I apologize no. to them. Uh, but they, they had a poll question. Would Husker fans rather see us lose to Iowa and get rid of Riley or win and keep Riley? And more people voted to lose to Iowa and get rid of Riley. There are fans, more fans out there are rooting for us to lose games just so we can get rid of Riley than win. They don't even want to see this guy win. And that, I believe, to my core, that there are fans that have felt that way since the moment he was hired. They have wanted him to lose games. And that's not a good environment. That's not the best fans in college football. Derek? I think you're wrong. I don't think fans are necessarily rooting for Nebraska to lose. You see, you guys think that automatically just because nobody has any faith in, in Riley winning that you automatically ac- accumulate that to people rooting against Nebraska, and that's not true. And, and coming from the guy that's never believed in Riley from the get-go, I can I can honestly say that. And I think with the, the problem with that poll is you're giving people two options. It's not that they're rooting for Nebraska to lose. They just don't want Mike Riley here next year. They would, if, if there would have been an option of beat Iowa and Riley still gone, I'm sure most of them would have voted for that. So yeah, you guys, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for you to sit here and say, well, they're just rooting against, they're just rooting for Nebraska to lose. Because that's not the case. People aren't rooting for Nebraska to lose. They just don't have faith in Mike Riley and they'd like to see him gone. Tyler, and, last and, word on and, that. And I agree with that, but even though I don't think it's likely, what, what if hypothetically, and I Nebraska wins these next three games by four touchdowns each? It's not going to happen. We know that. But there could be a case made that, hey, maybe Mike Riley would deserve another year. I think fans would be upset if we won these next three games by three touchdowns and we kept Mike Riley. And, and Derek, you, I agree. Fa- fans would I, not I, be upset that we won the games. Fans would be upset that we're keeping Mike Riley. And, and unfortunately, if you keep Mike Riley next year, I really think you probably lose your sellout streak. I think you're right. Well, I, and I think that's because the fans have never bought into him. And for the life of me, I don't he, know why. I get his, his results. He's given us every there. reason. He's given us four and five, five and seven. So we, tur- we turned on him two weeks in this year, three weeks by Northern Illinois. Because you lost to Northern we Illinois. Were, but there was poll, three weeks in the season. There was poll <laughs> questions out there about firing Mike Riley. Because he lost to Northern Illinois. Horrible. You don't lose to Northern Illinois if you're Nebraska. Terrible loss. I'm just going to say this. I think at the end of the year, the most unpopular guy in Nebraska will be Bill Moose if Mike Riley sticks around. It's not going to be Mike Riley as the most unpopular guy. It will be Bill Moose if Mike Riley returns next year. So... Bill Moose has to understand that, right? So, well, unfortunately, we'll I don't think out. Bill Moose is here for a popularity contest. I don't know. No. That he, at the end of the day, I don't think he gives two rats asses of what the fans think of him. He's just going to go to his cattle ranch and hang out with the cows. He'll be fine. <laughs> Take his five-year <laughs> contract and go to the house. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll see. It, it's it's coming sooner than later, guys. I promise you. Judgment Day will be Thanksgiving weekend. So, uh, until then, let's get to the games of the week. Great games of the week. Uh, but first, Derek, give us a recap of how we stood out last week. Are you sure you want to do this? No. Because it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll start. I'll start with who did the best last week. I went three and me. three. That was the best. That was the best record for last week. Putting me at thirty four and twenty one overall. Tyler went second best at two and four, putting him at thirty two and twenty three. Justin went one and five, and he's now sitting at thirty and twenty five. Only because the Nebraska screwed me. Well. <laughs> That's just yeah. a testament to the great games that we pick week in, week out. It's easy to pick all the cupcakes, but uh, true. Hey, we got a great set of games that we're picking this week. We got three top ten matchups uh, according to the college football playoff poll that was released today, and five top twenty matchups. So. Uh, it's great games that we're picking until we get to the Nebraska-Minnesota game. Uh, so, <laughs> so first things first. First things first, we got a number six TCU at number five Oklahoma. Oklahoma's seven-point favorites. Derek. Oh, TCU has the way better defense here. But Oklahoma's offense is probably the best offense they've faced this year. Oklahoma's defense is pretty garbage-like. This could, this could easily turn out to that Big 12 shootout. I think I say that about every week at this point, but this could easily yep. turn out to that Big 12 shootout. And I think uh, you got to give it to the home team. Oklahoma wins. Tyler. You know, Derek, you kind of hit on a couple points, but TCU's defense is not only good, they've been playing great lately. Um, you know, they've averaged 13.9 points per season, and in the last four games they have allowed 14 points or fewer. And you're right about Oklahoma's offense. Uh, they've been on fire the last few weeks. You know, that showdown again in mm-hmm. Bedlam last week was a really good football game. I think this is the best football game of the weekend. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, I just like TCU. I think they are just a little bit better ball club. I got TCU winning on the road. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I got TCU winning. And uh, more or less for the fact that I thought both of you guys were going to take Oklahoma and I thought I could steal this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, moving on. We got number three, Notre Dame. Three and a half point favorites over number seven, Miami. Derek. This, is, this one here is going to be an absolute defensive battle. Both of them are playing great defense. Notre Dame's only giving up 18.4, 18.4 points per game. Miami's giving up 17.6 per game. Don't expect a lot of points out of this. Uh, I think I gotta give it give it up to the home team. Uh, I'm gonna go with Miami. Tyler, me and Derek going opposite. Uh, I, I don't know if I entirely agree with Miami uh, being a great defense. I mean, they they're, they've statistically stopped teams from scoring, but they're pretty average against the run. And I've talked about Notre Dame running the ball. They're fifth in the country. Miami's 67th against the run. I think Notre Dame moves the ball enough on the ground to get the win. I'm kind of ashamed to say this. You know, Notre Dame's having a stellar year. And here we are, what, is it week 10? And I have not seen Notre Dame play one game yet. That's shame on me. But uh, I like Notre Dame. Nobody likes to watch them play. (laughs) But regardless, I agree with Tyler. I got Notre Dame winning this game also. Justin, quit agreeing with me. I'm not liking how this is going. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You're doomed. All right, the final top 10 matchup of the week. We got number one, Georgia. Three-point favorites over number 10, Auburn. Derek. This is another defensive game. I think that's the case in most SEC games. Uh, Georgia's been more impressive. I don't know how you go against them right now. Auburn's been good. 
I don't know about great. I, I wouldn't put them in my top ten most likely. But Georgia, I do think, is probably top five, top four. So I'm going with Georgia. Tyler? You know, I, this is a tough game. I, I went back and forth on this one. Georgia's defense, though, has just played incredible these last six mm-hmm. weeks. They've held five of their last six opponents, 14 points or less. They held, they shut out Tennessee. Mississippi State, who's a top 20 team, only three points. Um, you know, destroyed Florida, uh, only held them to seven. I mean, I just think Georgia finds a way. I, I get nervous with all my road picks, but I'm going to stick with picking the road team this week, and I got Georgia winning. Yeah, I got three straight road games here also. I got Georgia. I think that's going to uh, shake down for undefeated versus undefeated when Georgia and Alabama meet up in the uh, SEC championship. So uh, I got Georgia. All right, let's shift it to the Big Ten now. We got number 12, Michigan State, at number 13, Ohio State. Ohio State's 14.5-point favorites over a higher-ranked team. Weird, but Derek, take it away. And that blows me away. I, usually Vegas is pretty accurate on this, or so I'm told. I don't pay as close attention as Justin does. However, if they're 14.5-point favorites – against a team that's supposed to be ranked higher than them, that tells me they're a better team. So I don't know why they're ranked high, why Michigan State's ranked higher. Uh, Ohio State's can come out just absolutely pissed. Urban Meyer doesn't lose two games in a row. Michigan State's going to be hung over after beating Penn State. I, I don't see much of a chance enough for uh, Michigan State in this game. I think Ohio State wins pretty big. Tyler? Uh, you know, Derek, you're right. When you lose to the gum of the universe in Iowa you, you, you come out pissed off and you want revenge I'm going 4 for 4 on the road teams I got Ohio State winning hey I, I do want to point out to all the listeners that Tyler actually picked Iowa to beat Ohio State last week I he did. never picks Iowa for anything and I had to yeah well, until they, they play Nebraska, I bet he picks them beat Nebraska this year. Yeah, but still, that that was ballsy of him just to pick Iowa over Ohio State, and he landed that one. Uh, anyway, yeah, I got Ohio State also winning this game. I think they're just going to trash Michigan State. Ohio State, they're a much better team. Whatever we saw last week, that's not the Ohio State team that I thought they were. But, all right, final top uh, 20 matchup of the college football playoff. Tyler's favorite team, Iowa, at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's 12-point favorites. T- Derek, take it away. Jonathan Taylor has 1,368 yards rushing this year. Wisconsin does Wisconsin. They run the ball. They run it well. They have a serviceable quarterback and uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name off the top Hornibrook. of my head. Hornibrook. Hornibrook. There you go. Thank you. Uh, again, I think Iowa's a little hungover after beating Ohio State. They're going to go on the road to Wisconsin. I don't see Iowa being able to upset a top 10 team two weeks in a row. Tyler. So I went four for four so far picking road teams. Iowa has won four out of their last five uh, games in Madison. They've done very well up there over the history, but again, I was the Ford Fiesta of Big Ten teams. They're they're, they're trash. 
Wisconsin's going to win this game. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is actually going to be a really good test. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think at the end, I think Wisconsin, they're going to do what they usually do. And then second half, they're going to come out blazing. And I, they're going to they're gonna get by Iowa late. All right. Here it is, what we used to call game of the week. Now it's an honorable mention. Nebraska <laughs> at Minnesota. Minnesota's two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, this is an 11 a.m. kickoff, which is really sucks because now this game has an opportunity to blow away and make our whole day shitty instead of our evening. So, Derek, take it away. Give us your score prediction. Oh. At the end of the day, I think you're right, Tyler. I do think we're a better talented team. I picked against Nebraska. I really, really, the only reason I'm doing this, I picked against Nebraska the last two weeks, and I felt a little guilty. So I'm picking Nebraska to win 21-20. Tyler, I, I'm scared for this game, guys. I, I, I sat there and I'm, I just, I really, really worry about this team. I, I think there's going to be really hard to play. Um, we're on the road, early kickoff. Those are all recipes and I, to come out flat. I think the spear of this team is a little broken. Um, I, I went back and forth. I think last week we lost in overtime. Uh, I think this week we get revenge in overtime. We went 31 to 24 OT. Wow. wow You're even score. picking overtime. All right. Uh, I like Nebraska in this game. I think uh, I agree with you guys. What you said before, Minnesota is a garbage team. I think it's going to continue. I think Nebraska is just going to come out guns blazing by you know their offensive standards. You know it's going to be it's going to be super cold this game. And I'd like to say our offense is going to heat it up, but it's not too much. But they're going to get it done. I think uh, Nebraska wins twenty-seven to seventeen. So, all three of us picking Nebraska. You guys are siding with me for once. Wow. And we're screwed. It was a a guilt trip. (laughs) All right. Well, we've we've talked long enough. It's time to get out of here. Big thanks to Carter Donahue for stopping by to talk Nebraska ball. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. You can find us on HuskerHype.com. Be sure to go there and check out all the great articles there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back next week to uh, discuss Nebraska stuff. So uh, we'll see you then. Go Big Red. Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.